Farming Programme with Araquit Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate Grantham. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. Supermarket giant Morrison's is employing tree advisors to help farmers meet planting targets and help unlock government funding. It's really all about right tree, right place, but also right reason. We'll hear from their head of agriculture and we'll share a mental health story. At the time, all I actually wanted to get thinking was that within a minute or two, I can end all my pain, all my heartache, or the whole thing, I can end it all. But what I've actually learned when I am having a real bad day or I'm in need help, Talk to people. And look at where to get help. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello and what a marvellous week it was for Groundswell and the Lincolnshire Show and so good to meet up with many friends of the Farming Programme this week. For example, Vice President of the CLA, Victoria Vivian. So what are you here for today then? Well, um, my first reason is that two years ago during lockdown, I phoned the CLA Lincolnshire chair and he said, you have to come to the Lincolnshire show because it's one of the best shows in the country. In fact, he said, it is the best show in the country. So here I am. I've come from Cornwall through a railway strike to make sure that William Price makes good his promise. It's not the easiest time in farming at the moment, as in many other sectors of the economy. But here at the Lincolnshire show, there's a lot of positivity around it isn't there? There is a lot of positivity around. The the fact is that the environmental land management contract means that farmers and land managers can look the public in the eye and saying we have a contract to deliver public goods to the public and for that we are being paid. Whereas I think that in the past we've had a bad reputation from from acreage based payments. So you think this is it's a good thing that we're moving away from just being paid for how much you've got or how much land you've got to actually what you do? We all know that acreage-based payments didn't mean that the bigger the amount of land you had, the more money you got, because of course there were responsibilities that went with those payments. We know that because this is our industry. Unfortunately, that message did not translate well into the media. And Regional Director of the CLA, Kath Crowther, spoke for the many farming leaders that I talked to at the shows about the industry and the rural economy. There's a lot of change coming through at the moment. The levelling up bill, that's a very much a framework bill. Um, again, the devil's going to be in the detail. Huge changes being proposed to the planning system could be really, really good, but it's all about what comes in in the detail of that. And it's our job to keep pushing politicians and keep pushing to make sure that we are represented and the rural economy is recognised for the, the great powerhouse that it could be if it was allowed with the right policy levers. Thanks, Cass, and lovely to see so many people at the show, far too numerous to mention individually. Next up, I guess, is the Great Yorkshire Show, Tuesday to Friday, the 12th to the 15th of July. See you there. Supermarket giant Morrison's has employed a team of tree advisors. What will they be doing? Head of Agriculture at Morrison's, Sophie Throop. We're just starting off by employing a new specialist tree advising service um, to help the farmers that we work with to meet um, sort of planting ambitions. Um, It's really all about right tree, right place, but also right reason. Um, overall, we're doing quite a lot of work at the moment looking at net zero. So, you know, that's the lowering emissions as much as possible from farming systems. Um, but then also thinking about that other side of the balance scale, about how you in, increase the sort of carbon sequestration or the ability, you know, the, of the land and landscape to suck up um, sort of carbon in the, from the atmosphere. And so, so the trees obviously play a really important role in that. But we have found that lots of our farmers 
are sort of a bit worried about where those trees should go. Are they going to displace land for food production? So for us, it's you know really important to get the right advice in on farms so we can look at the right trees going into the right place, but you know to suit each farm business individually. Okay, Sophie, can we take a step back just for a moment? Why are trees so important? Trees do a fantastic job as, as the lungs of the earth, really. Um, and we already have lots and lots of great trees, of course, across our landscape. You know, just look at a, a typical English country farming landscape and there are lots of trees around. However, there is still the need to be able to plant more and the government have got quite ambitious planting targets for trees. And that's something that we want to be able to help sort of farms to understand how they can get there for themselves and to think about how to plant more trees on their own farms but in the right place because it's a real balance isn't it when you're looking at your own farm landscape about where do I grow my crops and where do I plant trees and and we're trying to help take that worry away really. And it's not just a case of one type of tree fits all situations is it? It's absolutely true. We can't sort of think about just one type of tree blanketing the countryside. It is very much about understanding your own landscape and your soil type, you know, how where the sun shines, how your land is positioned, whether you've got any water courses on farm as well. And then working with our tree advisors to, to work out, therefore, which trees are going to be right for which different areas. So, for example, we might find that a bank of willows down near um, a riverside would be really, really useful, um, not only to stabilise the the ground but also to present sort of soil runoff and to keep up and help keep rivers clean so that's sort of like a tree performing more than one function if you like or it might be that the farm has some fantastic hedgerows and they just want to grow a few standards a few sort of trees within that so some good sort of british native species that can really add to the benefit of their landscape but also again not take up so much extra space but you know to still provide a, a valuable function Now, you talked about government targets, and I've seen figures of 7,000 hectares by 2024, which is quite a significant amount. But also, this can help with unlocking government funding, can't it? It can, absolutely. So the government has already put quite a lot of funds available for tree planting for farms, but we have found from talking with the farmers that suppliers that they don't always know how to access those funds or how to apply for the grant scheme or, or, to, or to use that money as well. So our advisors can also help identify which scheme is the right one for which farm and then also work with other advisors from, from the government's catchment sensitive farming and forestry commission to really help make sure they get the right flows of money going down to the farm to help um, them plant the right trees. And at Morrison's you've got uh, an aim to be completely supplied by carbon neutral farms by 2035? Yeah, so by 2030, so it's a very ambitious um, sort of like goal, but we want, one we think is really important. Um, we work directly with farmers. Um, we have our own manufacturing business. Therefore, we're used to those direct conversations. But we also, from that, know the great work that already happens on farm. And so some of what we're doing is to try and help draw that out, but also to accelerate projects that just could go a little bit quicker um, by a bit of extra support and advice. So if you're a Morrison supplier farm, more details from your usual Morrison's contact or on their website and thanks to Head of Agriculture Sophie Throop. Crop report time now with Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Good morning and welcome back Sean and wasn't it great to catch up with old friends in the glorious sunshine at Lincolnshire show last week? 
Yes, morning, Steve. I know, wasn't it great? Not often we get two days of dry weather at the show, let alone two days of hot, sunny, cloudless skies. More than a few people as well, I think, will be nursing a sunburn bits and bobs, and the Savlon and Calamine lotion salesmen are going to be rubbing their hands together with glee. A little pile of Nivea where a nose used to be is a sight to behold. Absolutely wonderful way for the weather gods to welcome us back to the Lincolnshire show after two years of being away. Absolutely great to be back and great to catch up with people I only seem to see once a year at the show too. Frank Wilson, Keith Mason, Rupert Bryant, Nigel Sneath from way back when days, Kay Johns, that awesome livestock and wildlife artist from Threckingham and the event gallery. Three more Kay Johns paintings adorning the walls at Sparling Towers since the show. All in all, it was an absolute blast and I can't wait to do it all again next year. See you all again then then, I think, if we're spared. So on to agronomy. Necessarily short this week as harvest looms and the jobs to-do list gets shorter and shorter thanks to the dry weather, of course. The jobs done list is now getting longer and longer. Winter and spring wheat pretty much beyond the latest safe timings for fungicides now the t3 fusarium ear disease complex spray has pretty much now been and gone and as a rule of thumb once the wheat has flowered and your grain has got to the watery ripe stage it's too late to legally apply fungicides anyway as oxystrobin has a cut off of the end of flowering or before growth stage 71 tebiconazole prothiconazole metconazole all the same before growth stage 71 comet paraclostrobin before growth stage 71 in winter wheat but before growth stage 59 so before flowering in spring wheat spring barley spring oats revistar although why you would want to waste that at the t3 timing is an absolute mystery to me cut off before growth stage 69 so before the end of flowering so if you've done a t3 and you're being advised to go out and do a t3 and a half or even a t4 although again i'm not sure why you want to unless you're feeling particularly benevolent and generous towards the turnover of your advisor just think about it. You're very unlikely to get that money back after growth stage 71. You are very likely to be illegal. And if you haven't already dealt with Septorias, Rust and Fusarium ear blight by now, then you're wasting your time and your money anyway. Once again out here in the field, no grain aphids to worry about for another year. Indeed, according to Rothamsted, it appears that aphid numbers in general are now beginning to fall in their traps. And that was noticeable out in the field, particularly this week. No winged aphids that I could find anyway in spuds or sugar beet. Now, while we're talking about aphids, of course, virus vector control in sugar beet is valid until about 16 leaves. BBRO only talk about, and I quote, from the 12th to 16 leaf stage, the threshold increases to one wingless nymph per plant. So if your beet has got to 16 leaves or beyond it's unlikely that you're going to get an economic return from spraying another insecticide if you do have to then please don't do it as an insurance spray that is not the way to do it treat if you find threshold only there's plenty of hoverflies wasps spiders ladybirds etc about not to mention the other things that live on aphids like the parasitic fungi etc that do their bit too and the plant does have a natural resistance once it gets to that size we are starting to just see however the odd hint of virus a patch or two of the non-neonicotinoid dressed sugar beet but really nothing that shouts virus at me so I'm watching that and keeping my fingers crossed and remember it's Topeki, Insist, Mavento at most and in that order no diseases showing yet either in sugar beet winter beans now fully out of flower for me podding really well in the optimum plant populations between 18 and 25 beans per square metre they're podded from top to bottom like Brussels sprout in some of the thicker crops they're not so thickly podded but they still look okay to me 
and disease levels remain reasonably low. We're seeing chocolate spot starting to move, though, in several fields. Remember, chocolate spot has two phases, non-aggressive in June, and then it turns aggressive in July. And that July chocolate spot will not be stopped and actually does help to desiccate the crop anyway. So there's very little point in wasting money on a third or even fourth fungicide when that chocolate spot, as those spots coalesce, will help more than hinder by helping you desiccate the crop. And azoxystrobin and tebuconazole, by the way, they have a 35-day harvest interval in beans, so do bear that in mind too. Very little in the way of black bean aphid in my beans, although I can find them in the garden. So for the seventh year on the trot, no insecticide applied to my beans. Peas, finally, botrytis, grey moulds. We're getting to the point where we needn't worry so much about that. But as the weather turns wetter, that could still be a problem. Marsh spot as well. These are the things to consider in peas. So if it does come wet as the petals drop and the grey moulds prosper, a coating of protectant fungicide onto those flowers now, such as azoxystrobin, will help hold that issue in check. And of course, a jollop of manganese as well at this time of the year to correct manganese levels is also going to correct that marsh spot, which is manganese deficiency. Spring seed rate getting absolutely hammered by flea beetle now. The pollen beetle and the pigeons as well all starting to find anything that's in flower and anything that's just a bit backwards, so nothing new there for spring seed rate growers. Winter oilseed rate pre-harvest glyphosate timing approaching, but just a little bit further away than it looks in some cases. The sun may well be bleaching the tops of these canopies, but they're very deeply podded this year. So do get in there and have a look at a representative area of the crop. The seeds in the top pods will be mostly green, with some of them turning brown. The seeds in the middle pods, they'll be mostly brown. Still a bit of green in there and the odd black one. The seeds in the bottom pods are going to be mostly black, with some brown, but absolutely no green so go by those middle pods where the majority of the seeds will be brown there will still be a fleck or two of green but the odd bit of black in there as well a couple of days early is always better than a couple of days late when it comes to glyphosate if you go too late you tend to knock out too many and as for pod stick you know it's emperor's new clothes for me it's if a variety has ex as a prefix in its name generally they have inbuilt pod shatter resistance glyphosate is not a desiccant and it just dries out the crop and it helps leather the pods anyway and to be honest if you get a hailstorm running through that crop in any year no amount of pod stick pod shatter resistance or glyphosate is going to help you anyway so on that bombshell let's see what the next seven days bring the farming program with our equipped steel stockholders with Umbrook industrial estate grantham supplying the region for over 40 years We've spoken about mental health, not just in farming before and its importance and the fact that it's okay not to be okay. And the need to talk and seek help if you have a problem is thankfully becoming recognised more and more. Can I share a story with you and a short interview the farming programme's Andy Marsh recorded at the Nottinghamshire show recently, which may, if you have a worry, A, help in realising that you're not alone and B, point you in the right direction for help. First, Lincolnshire farmer and owner of machinery rental business GCS, Michael Gallagher. Michael, you had some issues a couple of years ago. What's your story? I certainly did. I was in what I didn't realise at the time was an abusive relationship. And my ex-partner, she did an awful lot of mental health research on how the mind works and the brain works. And I, was, I was totally oblivious to this. And over a period of time, she actually, I want to sort of say engineered me to have a mental health breakdown. Now, that sounds reasonably far-fetched, but it's actually 100% true. So in an abusive relationship, and I got to the point where I was absolutely broken. 
And I was at the point that all I wanted to do was end the pain and the heartache that I was getting. Now, if you'd said to me a year or two earlier on that about mental health, I'd have told someone to man up and get on with it. Having gone there, you realise, ouch, this is quite serious. And at the time, all I actually wanted to get thinking was that within a minute or two, I can end all my pain, all my heartache, the whole thing, I can end it all. At that point in my life, my partner ran off with my daughter and my two Labrador dogs, leaving me at the point of no return. Luckily, two very, very dear people, very close to me, got to me, found me, helped me, and stopped me doing something very, very stupid, probably something very, very selfish as well. And then they helped me rebuild, well, rebuild my life. But the thing with it is, is the mental health is, is, is a very weird scenario. When you end up in, a, in that immensely dark place, all you want to do is get out of it. And the easiest way out of it is just to, to you know, mm. end your life. Um, it's totally changed my outlook on life. The mental health doesn't just disappear quickly. It's still with me now. But what I've actually learned to deal with is the fact that when I am in trouble, when I am having a real bad day or I'm in need help, is actually to talk to people. Michael, thank you for sharing your story on the farming programme. Thankfully, he's in a much better place now. But regardless of the cause of the issue, the key phrase in there was talk to somebody. And there are, thankfully, several somebodies that will listen. Farming Community Network, Lincolnshire Rural Support Network, Samaritans and so on. You are not on your own. At the recent Nottinghamshire show, my colleague Andy Marsh met with Sleaford farmer Tom Ware, who started an initiative called Just Talk Agri and has made, along with many others in farming, a video to encourage us to talk to someone before it's too late. And what we're talking about here, well, every case is different, but in some cases, and and you sadly have experience of somebody you know who went through this, it can really reach the point where they see no way out whatsoever. Yeah, and unfortunately in January I lost my friend to... uh... Uh, suicide um, that really hit home and trying to get that message across to people before it's too late because at the end of the day the help is there for you so if you need it it's paramount that you go out and you say right I know for some it's difficult but for others you just say right look I need a chat just a quick one just say look I'm not okay and it can go from there even if you ring a helpline you don't have to disclose your name where you're from anything so you could be anonymous it just might be that help that you need that could bring you back from making a decision that could change your life or those around you even if you struggle talking just say look i need a chat just to talk to someone in general is is helpful um, to get it out and finally what do you feel the key thing is about the farming community you mentioned perhaps the fact that they are isolated maybe not have anybody to talk to Is, is that the key thing or the stress of the job or the pressures of what's happening at the moment yeah at the end of the day the farming community you work very long hours and my hat goes off to all the lads out there doing stupid hours Um, and it's those hours that you don't see people so you'll be working from six o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night maybe later you don't get to go out see your friends you don't you're flat out all day you just work 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 and you don't get that time but in a tractor you could ring someone have a chat and it might just be that that helps well done to farmer tom Ware. there is a facebook page to find out more search just talk agriculture on facebook.com to the markets now starting with livestock from louth auctioneer oliver chapman morning oliver 
Good morning, Steve. This week's weekly roundup from Louth for Lincolnshire Show Week. See prime steers sell to a top of 279 pence per kilo and gross £1,615 for F. Wallace and Sons of Biscothorpe. Heifers topped at 246 pence per kilo and gross £1,363 for GL and M. Carr of Skidbrook. That wraps the clean cattle up onto the OTMs and cool cows. OTM heifers sell to a top of 184 pence per kilo and £935 per head for A.H. Benj of Goldsby, while cool cows sell to a top of 196 pence per kilo and gross £1,407 for D.C., D.M. and S.4.C. of Toftnext Newton. This week was Store Cattle Week, just a handful on offer. See Steers top for Pennell Brothers at £790 per head, while still all heifers topped at £855 per head for tea drinkle. That wraps the cattle up and moving on to the sheep. More lambs on offer and all included in the averages to produce an SQQ of 311.54 pence per kilo or an all-in average of 310.96 pence per kilo. Must be said that there's plenty of half-meated lambs mixed amongst those. Top came for Shaw Brothers of Binbrook at 357 pence per kilo this week, while Scrivelsby Farms make the top price again with two pens away to £165 per head. Prime Hogs and a few more on offer saw an SQQ of 247.69 pence per kilo, with a top for Field Farming Company at £135 per head, while Eagle Farms topped at 289 pence per kilo. Cool ewes, more on offer and more trade again with an all-in average for 121 ewes of £150 per head. The top this week for P&J Hoys of £208. Finally, store sheep and just a ewe with a couple of lambs on offer saw a high for A. Risdale of Technilock at £80 per life. Huge thank you to everyone that's been and supported this week, both buyers, vendors. Tomorrow is back to our weekly sales of all prime and cool cattle and sheep and numbers are required to meet by demand. So please do not hesitate to contact me. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market and thank you. Thanks Oliver and with the Grey Market Report, Open Fields Kit Dickinson. Morning Kit. Well, good morning Steve. Many words have been used to describe the market recently but dull isn't one of them. Last week the market was in consolidation mode with the weather and the impending harvest the main conversation topics. Hope for much vaunted export corridors have started to dissipate with the Russian aggression continued and even global recession. Headwinds which have weighed on equity, energy and commodity markets have now abated. The US had enjoyed a long weekend to celebrate June 10th and upon their return from that, the US weather forecast had changed from hot and dry to cool with scattered showers for this week. Although the longer range forecasts are still above normal temperatures and well below the normal amount of rainfall they would expect for the Midwest through July. The world cannot afford another US crop failure with the reduced Ukraine availability this year. News stories then started to appear attributed to the unnamed sources of fresh talks involving Turkey, Russia, Ukraine and the UN on grain corridors, following which the carnage ensued and prices started to plummet. They are now the lowest since April, with algorithms now kicking in, being the main talking point. At the time of writing, the US market had moved sharply higher on reports of missile attacks on the Ukrainian silos owned by the multinational grain companies, which, if true, would make a mockery of any scheduled talks and further reduce the Ukrainian export potential. Bizarrely, the UK Amity futures markets were appeared to be happy to mirror the UK losses, which appear reticent to follow the US gains. One Russian analyst raised their Russian wheat crop to 89 million metric tonnes, which is 14 million metric tonnes higher than the 2021-2022 crop, which 
we feel is somewhat premature and academic if they can't find enough vessels to export the 41 million tonnes of wheat forecast by the USDA. So, looking at barley this week, malting barley premiums remain firm and face falling commodity markets. The distinct lack of European malting barley sellers and continued maltsters' demand have maintained record premiums for malting barley overfeed of late, though few in the UK, indeed in Europe, have taken advantage of these values this week. That said, the continued sell-off in global derivative markets, malting prices have fallen slightly from the recent highs, though less than the likes of feed barley and feed wheat. It's the global risk-off sentiment that has and will continue to influence the malting barley premiums and prices in the short term. At least, that is, until we move into harvest positions or until we have a tight market fundamentals that can be traded. Looking at all seed rape this week, Pressure back on the general weakness in the veg oil complex, Chicago falling, and indeed a weaker crude oil. The UK rapeseed market has been quiet. Old crop demand remains low, although there is new crop demand, which is lacking bids from the sellers at the moment in the market. Rapeseed fundamentals of a tight supply look to continue in the up-and-coming year, exacerbated by reports of poor weather and yields. The EU crop monitoring service, Mars, revised its outlook from the EU rapeseed yield in 2022, down by 2.4% below last year's yields. Looking at prices this week, old crop feed barley for a specific price. Please do speak to your open field farm business manager. But looking into August, new crop 250 to 255. November 265 to 273. February 270 to 276. And May 275 to 280. Milling wheat premiums are circa £35. Feed barley for August, September 238 to 245, November 245 to 252, February 250 to 255, and May 253 to 258. Malting barley premiums this week are unchanged. And lastly, all seed rape 535 to 546 for July, November 548 to 555, with one pound carry per month going forward. Many thanks, Kit. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. A little bit of welcome rain's expected later in the week, but otherwise it's mostly dry and warming up again as the week goes on. Winds in the teens to 20s MPH from the south to southwest until Wednesday when it backs more easterly and calms before picking up again on Friday. Plenty of sunshine and daytime highs likely to reach 28 on Thursday before the rain arrives. Next week, we meet up with the new CEO at Waldmarsh and find out a bit more about what they do and review an autonomous tractor. I'm Steve Orchard. Until next week on The Farming Programme, have a good one. The Farming Programme with Araquith Steel Stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.